Hello and welcome to the Midwest Football Podcast, Episode 10. That's right, Tranquility Base is here and the podcast has landed. I'm Joe Smith coming to you direct from the Motor City where we have a shortstop that needs to be publicly humiliated every three weeks just to get him to take his $20 million per year job seriously. But we don't need such extreme motivation. We're here for you every week. My broadcast partner, Brian Rosenquist, and I are the source for the thinking fans coverage of the Bears, Browns, Bengals, Colts, Lions, Packers, Steelers, and Vikings. We're analysts, we're podcasters, we're journalists, and today we're grateful for the dog pound in Cleveland. Isn't that right, Brian? Good afternoon, Midwest Landers and friends. I will say a happy uh, free agency potential Hope springs anew for the uh, Browns fans, and hopefully you guys get uh, DeAndre Hopkins or whatever the biggest well out there is. Maybe a little Dalvin Cook to pair with Chubb. Whatever it is, the Cleveland Browns uh, fans have been giving us a lot of support, especially over on our YouTube channel. For those of you who haven't found us on YouTube yet, we daily post a YouTube clip from our most recent show. If you want the full show and the full experience right when you get it, you got to come and download our podcast. But, you know, we give little teasers throughout the week of some of the things that we've said. Our clip about DeAndre Hopkins from last week has really been popular and we presume with Cleveland fans, but it could be with just about anybody. We're really happy to have the support, not just from the Browns fans, but we're starting to see it from so many other areas in the Midwest, too. And we are so thankful, so grateful. and We're going to keep doing our absolute best work. We've got a lot on tap for episode number 10. We're going to hit the big double digits with a belated retirement sendoff for Bengals fan favorite Gio Bernard. We'll try to put some Green Bay Packers stats back in context, and we'll do our very first live underdog draft right here in this episode. As always, if you want to get in on the conversation, drop us a line at MidwestFootballPodcast at gmail.com. But before we get to any of that, we want to do some analysis. We are analysts, after all. It's time to take a deep dive into the dark recesses of a place few dare tread. That's right. We're going to try to figure out what is going on in the mind of one Antonio Brown. Oh my God, I'm recoiling in horror right now. I don't know if anybody but the most world-class psychologists are uh, even equipped for that, and I don't even know if that's true. What's the latest uh, and greatest? Now he's a AFL, uh, Arena Football League, National Arena League owner in Albany, owner of the Albany Empire, co-owner with his dad. Some uh, Antonio Browns-like shenanigans may or may not have been taking place, allegedly, according to a former quarterback. Well, there's a lot of smoke coming from that direction, that's for sure. Uh, This uh, segment is really inspired by a tremendous article that was written by Leanne Lohman, a staff writer for SteelersNation.com, where, oh my goodness, she's done some homework on Antonio Brown, as she puts it in the headline, not making friends in the (laughs) NAL. (laughs) let's just start with what we know for true. The Albany Empire was a two-time National Arena League champion. And then Antonio Brown and his dad bought the team. And uh, they have not been very good since. There's a lot of stories, a lot of uh, rumors about players getting locked out of their hotel, crazy, insane rants, and head coaches getting fired, and 
leading to a quarterback who won them an, an, an arena championship. Granted release from the team by the commissioner of the league so he could go play in Jacksonville. Am I missing anything else? I think I'm missing some stuff. There's more to it. Well, let's see here. Uh, this is all per this article. But according to this article, there are reports that he forced the other owner out, the, his co-owner, that made his life so miserable that the uh, the quote from uh, is the, uh, the quarterback, quarterback. Yeah, Castronova, I think. Our other owner was so sick of it, he sold out for a dollar. <laughs> he just, just gave it away. I don't even want the team anymore. Just go. It's worth it. It's worth it. Now, there's also a rumor that Antonio Brown blackmailed the guy or something. And, uh, well, allegedly... what we do know that is verifiable, Antonio Brown dug up this article from like 15 years ago where the guy got arrested for something he did as part of a uh, labor dispute, um, like some kind of uh, mild like oh, yeah. arson or something. I, I can't remember what it was right here. I, I'm looking for it. Yeah. And I just remember it was like he Instagram posted like call like the the article calling him a clown or something or with the clown emojis and stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was when we posted the article with a whole bunch of clown emojis or something like that. Yeah, and like there was like players got sick of they're not getting paid, so they tried to revolt against him, and then he locked them out of their hotels so they couldn't get their stuff. And oh my god, and yeah, then like. Then- there apparently Antonio Brown's credit card was declined when at the hospital where the guy got a busted ankle or some ankle injury. Yeah, hundred and fifty dollars was declined. I think that it, it sounded to me like the context that Antonio Brown purposely blocked the transaction, not necessarily the credit card got rejected. And we can't even repeat on the air what the Orlando Predators owner said about Antonio Brown, so we're not even gonna try. All we know is the commissioner is looking into the two owners after their exchange. But Orlando did beat Albany by a lot, like 60-some to 20-some. So uh, I guess they had the last laugh regardless of whatever happens. If you thought Antonio Brown would just go away when the NFL was done with him, never underestimate the power of what bleep you money can do. And I just want you guys to know we don't have the time to do this, but go back and just look at all of his articles and just retroactively vote Mike Tomlin for a coach of the year. If that was possible multiple times over for dealing with Antonio Brown at the end of this Steelers run. (laughs) Not just the end. That was just when it became unmanageable. That's when, yeah, that's when we, the public knew about it. Who knows what Mike Tomlin had been doing the previous five years before that it's funny because antonio brown was mr consistency he was the surefire top three fantasy wide receiver every year until he wasn't uh yeah okay one of the big debates about antonio brown is when exactly did let me phrase this very carefully when exactly did the unusual behavior start there's a lot of people that want to point to the vontez perfect you know decapitation uh i was gonna go impromptu brain surgery okay that works (laughs) but 
I mean, if if his screws were buttoned down, Antonio Brown's that is before that hit, they were knocked loose, and uh, and uh, he very much came unhinged. But I believe you were telling me the other day that there might have been some more evidence that uh, Antonio Brown was a little bit crazier before that hit took place. I mean, Cleveland Browns fans will remember if they you know once we bring it up at least anyway. In in his rookie year, Antonio Brown was the punt returner for the Steelers there was a play against the Cleveland Browns fairly early in the year where Antonio Brown was returning the punt and he was breaking loose and there was nobody to beat but the punter and he tried to make it look like he was trying to hurdle the Browns punter and instead just straight up kicked him in the face (laughs) and like cleat to the to the face mask rides him down, stomps him into the ground, and keeps going. And he might have scored, but there was a 15-yard penalty there. I called him boot-to-the-head Brown his entire career, and I was a <laughs> and I was somebody who largely owned him in fantasy. Oh, my God. This is rookie year. Remember, he was, like, I think a fifth-round draft pick, so it's not like he signed a big-money contract at the time. We, th- there's probably a big correlation to a lot of the crazy antics coming out and unhinged once he signed his second contract, but uh, I don't think we have time to deep-dive that. Do you have any more final thoughts before we move on to uh, the next uh, article today? Because we got a lot to cover. No, I mean... My personal thought for a lot of this stuff is money doesn't change you. It just makes you more of what you already are. Kind of like getting old. Antonio Brown has made, I've looked it up per spot track, over $80 million as a player alone in the NFL. Not uh, including starting, Yep. Starting in 2012, his third season, when they signed him to his extension and he was making nine million, seven million, six million, they loaded him up again 10 million, 17 million, 16 million, and then finally decided they'd had it. And that was the bulk of his contract from the Steelers. Of course, they had it. He didn't show up to a must win game the last week of the season when they needed to win to make the playoffs. It's kind of hard to come back from that in the locker room. When he was a $16.7 million a year wide receiver in 2018. The crazy part was Pittsburgh won that game anyways and then didn't make the playoffs regardless. But it wasn't a shock that they traded him to Oakland, I think, at the time. And then the, the bigger thing was that he didn't even make it to a game in Oakland. I think he was a cut in, in the offseason in a Patriot. That's how that bad. sounds like, right. I think he traded him to trade like a third round pick for him or something. And immediately we're like, you know, we're not even going to get this guy through camp. I remember that like, he burned his feet in the cryo chamber, amongst other things. And he kept trying to use an unlicensed uh, helmet or his old one when it was no longer up to code and stuff. And I know we said we were wrapping this up. But Antonio Brown is Antonio Brown. Let's go to happier thoughts down the uh, Ohio River and within the AFC North. And let's wish uh, Giovanni Bernard a happy retirement. A longtime Bengals running back. I believe he was with the Buccaneers last year. He spent two years with the Bucs, but his heart and soul is absolutely the Cincinnati Bengals. He's always been popular there. 10-year veteran, which is really hard to do for a running back these days. Uh, He was a second round pick in 2013 by the Bengals played eight years in Cincinnati, mostly a tandem. His first couple seasons uh, with guys like Ben Jarvis, Green Ellis and Jeremy Hill. 
And by the end of that sort of tandem, he was the prototype for a pass catching running back. He is what every pass catching running back until very, until basically Alvin Kamara wished they could be. I, I have a lot of fond memories of early full point PPR leagues, just grabbing him late and plugging him in as a slot guy when I was desperate, you know, and just getting a bunch of catches out of him and productive. And sometimes he did more, you know, he was a solid player. He's good all around, uh, just third down back that was reliable. And when he needed to, he could be a two down back, but he was never really relied on that because he's a little undersized, I believe. But, you know, he had long longevity, 10 years, eight years in Cincinnati. That's that's a pretty solid career, especially for NFL, where the NFL life of a running back is three years. And most of these guys, like they're cutting Dalvin Cook and stuff like that, you know, and Geo lasted eight years in uh, Cincinnati and two more with the uh, Bucks. Too bad he came in one year too late to get that ring with Tom Brady. I looked at, uh, for comparison with Antonio Brown, I looked up uh, Gio Bernard on spot track also, and he very quietly made $27 million as a player. Props get paid. Here's the kicker. Almost all of that was in annual salary, which is generally not guaranteed, which means they wanted him back year after year, even though they could have walked away. He was never cut early, no dead cap space, et cetera, right? Yeah, they never, he never got the big guaranteed deal, but he never needed it. It's good enough to stay on the team, you know, good, good props to him and good job getting paid over the 10 years, you know, hopeful, hopefully the rest of us here listening can get 27 million, you know? Yeah. And I got to say, he's said all of the right things on his way out the door. He's been super complimentary of Tampa, but especially of Cincinnati where he loves that town and they love him back. So it's been a quiet off season for the green Bay Packers after the trade of Aaron Rodgers. Of course, we were talking about them quite a bit then, but we found this uh, tweet by Andy Herman. Andy Herman tweeted out a huge reason the Packers didn't have more success in 2022 when winning the turnover battle. 2019, 9-0. 2020, 10-1. 2021, 11-0. 2022, 3-2. Now, yeah, that was us talking again now. Kind of a dramatic change from 2019 to 2022. So not only did they win the turnover battle in five games, which is... um about one half of the previous ones or one quarter of the entire season. They only won three games with the turnover lead versus nine to 11. It's kind of hard to win uh, 13 games. If you're going three and two in uh, basically 500 ball when winning the turnover battle. And it's usually worse when you don't. So I think this goes back to something you were talking about earlier, because for all of Aaron Rodgers' faults as a drama queen, he did not turn over the ball much. He was actually one of the best uh, quarterbacks in the league in uh, interception rate when it comes to in a good way. True. Um, and I believe it was something you said a couple of weeks ago where the Packers have invested a lot of money in that defense, but it's built to play ahead. And without Devontae Adams, they weren't getting ahead. So therefore they weren't pass rushing the quarterbacks and wrecking havoc and forcing turnovers because they weren't playing with a lead. And they were just getting wrecked. 
Yeah, let's explain for a minute what I meant by playing from ahead. A defense built to play from ahead has a killer pass rush. They've got a very good to great secondary, and believe me, the Packers have some fantastic corners and Mm -hmm. some really good safeties. They don't have much at the linebacker position. They don't have much at defensive tackle that isn't a pass rusher. They don't have much at safety that can play in the box. They've got great coverage safeties. The guy can play center field. They can play man. Mm -hmm. uh, Where Green Bay's run into some trouble over the last couple seasons, but especially last year, was teams running right at them. Now, when they had Aaron Rodgers and one of the most explosive offenses in the NFL, they didn't have to worry about that as much because they'd be up two touchdowns before the fans were in the seats. Mm -hmm. It's hard to run the ball when you're trailing two touchdowns in the second half. It's hard when you're trailing two touchdowns in the second quarter and they're wondering, oh my gosh, how can I keep up if I run this? Football, it's going to, we're going to be, we're going to take five minutes off the clock. We're going to be giving the ball to Aaron Rodgers with four minutes to go in the second half. If he scores again, we're out of the game. Mm -hmm. This gets to the point. If your defense is built to punish people throwing from behind, then that defense is going to generate more sacks and turnovers when they're up. It simply makes sense. There's going to be more opportunities for the other team throwing at them, which is the strength of the defense, because they have to. You've got teams forcing throws. You've got quarterbacks holding on to the ball too long because he feels like he's got to make a play. I think of one of the greatest of these uh, types of defenses of all time is the uh, 06 Colts, uh, where they had Robert Mathis and uh, Dwight Freeney pass rushing. And when Bob Sanders was healthy as a safety, the team was lights out because they were playing from a, with a lead with a Peyton Manning thrown to Reggie Wayne and Marvin Harrison and Dallas Clark and Edron James. And, you know, they get, they get a lead and they just step on your throat. And um, I think the, the, it worked great for the Packers the last couple of years when Aaron Rodgers was getting a quick lead to uh, De- Devontae Adams. But when he didn't trust his rookie receivers last year and uh, Alan Lazard and Cobb were just a guy, that the Packers' offense didn't put him in the right position to exploit the defense. That's true. I would also say Kansas City is currently built similarly, generally speaking, and they've had some pretty good success when they've been able to get out to early leads. Another Super Bowl champ. What that means for this stat, though, is the turnover margin may not actually be a reason the Packers had trouble in 2022. These numbers might be an effect of their defense and the offense they were running rather than a cause of them winning. Well, I mean, they weren't winning the turnover battle before, but also winning the turnover battle and going 11-0 and 9-0 is also just probably above league average (laughs) you know so it's a double whammy of not winning the the turnover battle but then also not winning the games when you do so and i think that there was your point uh, you know about them set to play ahead and the sad part is i believe their first two drawn draft picks last year as rookies not 2023 2022 was a defensive tackle and a linebacker maybe they'll develop this year and it'll help plug the defense and the, the you know the hoover dam that's leaking I don't know. It's just weird. They've thrown a lot of resources at it, and they're still not great at it. Do you think Jordan Love can get him leads? Well, we'll find out. At the very least, he'll be cheaper. 
True. So maybe they can get him more help. They'll probably need it. I mean, we'll get more into this when we get to the Packers offseason synopsis and uh, season preview, which is, you know, those segments are coming for our teams probably in July. But this is not an awful team in Green Bay. Yes, they're moving on from their passer, and you usually don't get better when you move on from a Hall of Famer. That being said, there's talent here, and it remains to be seen how good, how bad they play together, how this comes together, and what they'll end up being. That being said, though, I think it's time we get on to the main event of the evening, and that is our first ever underdog draft. So, Brian, you've done a number of these. I am undergoing my first one right here. So please tell the lovely people at home, what is an underdog draft? So this will be fun. This will be Joe's first one live on air. Um, I started doing these last year. They're quote unquote. It's a underdog is a app or website that you can use. Um, And a lot of people would prepare for the regular season by uh, doing mock drafts. The problem is a lot of people don't take them seriously. They draft a couple of times, they do something weird and it doesn't really help. Uh, underdraft is best ball league where you draft a team, it plays out their whole season. So you want to draft a good team the whole way. You don't, you don't, it, it's a waste of money to mess around like a mock draft guy. Um, it is a best ball format, which basically means you don't set a lineup. Whoever the top scorers are that week for your team are the top scorers. Uh, there are the teams that count for your, or the players that count for your team that week. Did you have any com- questions on that? Or yeah, that- basically it, what we're trying to say is you draft your entire team, starters and bench, and you cannot touch it at any point. There's no waivers. There's no free agency. There's no trades. And then whatever guys happen to do the best to give you your maximum points that week, they automatically slot those guys in as your starters for the week. And those are your points, which is great because you can have guys go off. But it also means if you have a bunch of guys get hurt, you might end up with zeros. Yep. So this leads to so the scoring in this, um, there's going to be one one quarterback counts, uh, two running backs, three receivers. So you'll see this is more receiver heavy than like an ESPN standard league um, and a tight end. And then there's also a flex spot that can be your fourth receiver, your third running back or your second tight end. There's no kickers, no defense. It's 18 rounds, 12 teams. So when we get into rounds like 16 and beyond, you probably won't be drafting these people in your redraft league because you're going to be drafting a kicker and defense. But it's interesting because it does change strategies because a lot of times when you're draft, you're playing normally, you want a guy that's going to score points. In best ball, you might want a guy that could score three touchdowns one week and zero the next couple of weeks because when he goes off, you don't have to figure out when that's going to be. You don't have to play whack-a-mole. You just get the guy's points. And then there's also the thing called uh, stacking where you draft a quarterback and a receiver where in a standard league, if... From the same team. From the same team, yeah. So if you have Jalen Hurts and A.J. Brown and they throw three touchdowns to each other, you go off and you win your week. Unfortunately, a lot of times you're just running up the score and those points don't carry over the next week in standard redraft. But in best ball, you don't have a record. It is just each week, all 12 teams play their starting lineups, uh, the highest scoring at each position, and it's an accumulation. So you want to catch that high end. And then also 
if you're in a tournament type, it turns into DFS. We're not going to go into the tournaments, that big best ball mania stuff. Um, if we do another live draft, we will go into it. It's a little more complicated strategy, but I think that um, we're going to do this for a little bit more casuals that are hardcore enough to listen to a live draft in the middle of su- in June, you know, so why not? So uh, do you have any other uh, strategies that we want to talk about um, that I'm missing or just... Well, the general thing here is it is a significantly different animal from your standard, you know, work league or buddies, casual league, something like that. ADP are people with real money behind them. So you're not going to get as many crazy values unless you're willing to take some pretty wild risks. A couple of quick disclaimers. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, help is available. Call 1-800-GAMBLER or go to ncpgambling.org. You must be 18 years or older to play underdog fantasy drafts in Arizona or Massachusetts. You must be 21 years or older to play in Alabama or Nebraska. You must be 19 years or older to play. Not available in Connecticut, Hawaii, Idaho, Nevada, Louisiana, Michigan, Montana, Iowa, Washington, or Delaware not available in Ontario, Canada, or not available anywhere outside of the United States or Canada. I wasn't expecting that whole thing, but good job. (laughs) (laughs) I've listened to other live drafts and other podcasts. I don't think they've given the disclaimer, but uh, the draft starts in the uh, 15 uh, seconds. We are drafting in the five spot, which is an interesting spot because we are not going to be getting Justin Jefferson or Jamar Chase or anything. So at this point, I'll probably just take whoever falls between the big five, which includes the two young receivers I mentioned, Tyreek Hill, Cooper Cup, and Christian McCaffrey. Or do you think maybe Travis Kelsey's next on the ADP and Stephon Diggs, who hasn't shown up to camp yet? And there's some weird stories with that. Yeah, I, Stephon Diggs look, is given every indication like he's going to try and force his way out of Buffalo. And... Which is so weird. But he did it in Minnesota. Yeah, I mean, we already talked about Antonio Brown once. We don't need to do it again. Travis Kelsey would be an interesting situation, but you really have to know what you're doing and have a solid plan to do a tight end first round draft. You might very well end up out of the elite at both wide receiver and running back if you do that. So Jefferson went one, Chase went two, Hill went three. We're waiting for four to go and we're on, we're in the hole at this point, um, with the smoke with Stefan Diggs, I might pass. I'd be more than happy to go with AJ Brown or pass on Kelsey, even though the next two guys. There's a lot of guys I like here, to be honest. I think that at this point in the first round, it's pretty flat a tier, in my opinion, because early on. Oh, and by the way, we're also doing this early on. So, okay, so McCaffrey went. I'm going to take him. I'm going to, I'm going to bet on Cooper Cup's bounce back years at number five getting a slight discount. He was going number one overall last year at this time in underdog, just ahead of Jamar and uh, Jefferson. Those are the big three last year. So Kelsey gotcha. went right, right right after me. Um, Pretty much holding true to form so far. Yeah. In at general, least based on ADP. Yeah. And in general, you'll see early underdog drafts go more wide receiver heavy, not only because you start three versus two running backs, but also early in the offseason, you want to go a little safer with the receivers. That's one strategy people will do is they'll grab a lot of late running backs in hopes of injuries or hopes, knock on wood, you know, um, because <laughs> and, and root for horrific, gruesome injuries, <laughs> right? Because I know like there, there were people two years ago 
who were all excited because they got this great running back core of uh, J.K. Dobbins, Cam Akers, and Travis Etienne two years ago, and their running their season was over before the preseason even ended. Uh, okay, so after Kelsey went, Diggs went seven, A.J. Brown went eight, and Devontae Adams went nine. Eckler is the second running back off the board at 10, which if you're doing ESPN where you can start, or stand, no standard Yahoo, ESPN leagues, you can start you know two running backs and two receivers in a flex. So most people would rather have the running backs, um, especially PPR guys like Eckler, even though he's aging. Right, and see. desperately wants out of, of the Chargers. Yeah, it sounds pretty typical. And you're going to come up on Saquon's coming up soon. And he also hasn't signed his... Uh, franchise tag yet uh c lamb went 11 and Bijan robinson was a third running back off the board at number 12 in the first round so if you haven't been paying attention you're going to find out that Bijan might be the highest rookie running back you've ever seen in a first round draft pick what were you saying yeah basically Bijan at the turn with amon ross st brown Garrett Wilson paired up with CeeDee Lamb at the 2-2 spot. The wide receiver run definitely continues. It's a good looks like a good move to jump on a wide receiver early if you if don't have that slam fast. dunk running back. And there are definite question marks to me for both Eckler and Bijan as a first round pick. In, in in my opinion, too, I like the running backs that go in the three spot in the third round. So I think what I'm probably going to try to do, I'll, I'll, I'll reserve the right to pivot based on players, but I like going with the anchor running back strategy where you get one guy that you know is pretty much ingrained in a sol- starter and then get three run- three or four wide receivers and then take a lot of shots at handcuffs and um, handcuffs with benefits or third down backs later in the draft that are an injury away from being a top 20 guy. There's another they- running back. Saquon went after uh Devonte smith yeah Devonte smith went two three we're up in three picks before ours looks right. like we're coming in these that one of the offseason stories is the receiver running quarterbacks have been going very high in under i kind of like jalen i got like jalen waddle jonathan taylor or nick chubb here yeah i like all three of those guys and we're gonna get one of them so jalen waddle just went after chris Olave. And we are going to get our anchor running back in the name of Jonathan Taylor because Nick Chubb just went before us and that solved this. And he's a buy low in my opinion because he had a down year, but I think the return of Quentin Nelson and that line is going to get back to form. Anthony Richardson might vulture some touchdowns, but I think he's going to open up holes. I've seen some really good research that suggests simply having a bottom five offense is unbelievably detrimental to running back production you just can't recover from it almost for sure and be a running back one you can get lots of guys in lousy offenses to be you know a number two running back but to get a one especially a high one I think that's pretty a lot of what killed Jonathan Taylor even before he got hurt they just weren't good last well the other problem with Taylor is he's more he's they don't give him the passing down work so if you're a two down back, you you need to be in a good offense that plays from the head and scores touchdowns. If you can have good value as a third down back in a bad team that's behind and just checking down on, you know, on, on two minute drills and stuff. So after I picked um, Mahomes was the first quarterback off the board at two nine. Tony Pollard, who some people think will be the number one overall running back this year without Zeke. He went to 10. T Higgins, that's going to be a talk for another time. 211. Do you, I don't even think he's going to be a top. Yeah, one of these things is not like the others. Derrick Henry, 
Josh Jacobs. Look at the upside of Nick Chubb, Jonathan Taylor, Tony Pollard, and then Derrick Henry, Josh Jacobs, and Ramondre Stevenson, and Pat Mahomes were the guys who went around T. Higgins. I'm not trying to slander. Oh, and now Jalen Hurts and DK Metcalf. Not to slander. Oh, I'm up. I should uh, recap. Okay, so let's – I don't know. See, I'm not feeling like Calvin Ridley or Debo. Do you think it's too early to go for a quarterback, or should I go with Brees Hall or maybe Najee? Uh, this is the third round. You know round. what? Let's do – I kind of like Brees Hall here. I think he's it. a good upside pick. And then we basically don't have to worry about running backs for a while. Yeah, because we got Brees and Jonathan Taylor, two young guys. Brees is coming off the injury, but I don't think it's like Javante Williams, who's not likely to play till you know, week nine. Yeah. Like the, he's, you know, he looks like he's all getting up to full speed quickly. Yeah. And I've heard good things out of the camp. Like he's just up to practice. Now back to the Higgins thing. Like, so Higgins is fine, but I just don't think he has the upside. Every running back that was drafted just ahead or just behind him could be a top five running back. And Pat Mahomes could be the number one overall scoring. I think Higgins, he's kind of a wide receiver too in fantasy at best. And that's dependent on how up-tempo the Bengals run if they speed up the pace and run more plays. He's fine. I just don't think he's that exciting to have, especially in the best ball format. He's Mr. Reliable plug and play wide receiver two in a lot of other formats. So after um, I took Brees Hall, Josh Allen went off the board. He was the third quarterback. Then Mark Andrews was the second tight end at three, seven. Calvin Ridley went three, eight. Najee Harris went three, nine. Amari Cooper went 310, Debo went 311, and we are now uh, – oh, and Lamar Jackson finished off the third round, and now we're waiting to see who's getting paired with on the swing. See, now you notice a lot of orange, which is the color of receivers. So now that we got the two two running backs, we can hammer at least another receiver coming up soon. We can. Oh, Jamar Gibbs just went off the board, top of the fourth. Although ETN is tempting – if ETN falls, but we're still – he's probably not going to get to us. We're probably looking more at that Mixon, Walker, Aaron Jones, where we're at. Right, we're and still, where there are legitimate concerns. Away. Yeah. Oh, DeAndre Hopkins, teamless DeAndre Hopkins went 4-2. That's pretty high. It's a lot of uncertainty. You're going to find out that like guys like Leonard Fournette and Kareem Hunt, we could probably get them in the 17th or 18th round, which would be undrafted in most formats. See, I'm not a big fan of a lot of these receivers here. I like Christian Watson, but I think this is probably high. It Jerry Judy in a vacuum, I like, but who knows what's going on Christian there. Watson just went. Um, I'm not a fan of Mike Williams in general, but I like him in best ball because he does those random spike weeks, but he also doesn't stay healthy. I like Judy. London and oh, ETN just went. We're up in three picks. McLaurin, I'm a little down on this year because – I just don't know if the, if, if uh, what's his name is um, the new offensive coordinator in Washington is the enemy is bringing over that chiefs, um, you know, offense that spreads the ball out. Oh, here we go. McLaren just went. So we got Judy, Mike Williams. I'm going to go with the Homer pick. I'm going to take DJ Moore, and maybe we'll get lucky and I can stack them with Justin Fields in the next round, but it looks like fields will be going. probably not, but we'll try it. I tried to. St- I I was one pick away from that stack. I had a uh, twelve spot the other day, and I had the twelve and thirteenth pick. And then the third, third and fourth round, some guy took him at uh, 
Field or I think it was DJ Moore at 311. So I was hoping to get him at 312 and then stack him with Fields at 341. Uh, but, uh, you know, sometimes the Bears pick doesn't come through. But yeah. So D- Jerry Judy went right after I did. And uh, I think we missed it. Drake London went 4 6. Whatever happened to Lamar Jackson? Somebody must have took him no, in yeah, like he the went, third round. He went out with a turn. He was the last pick of the third round. Gotcha. With the guy who took Jameer Gibbs. There's Burrow. Burrow. Oh, yeah. Did I say Gibbs? Burrow went right after uh, Kenneth Walker. Chris Godwin went to round out the uh, fourth round. So that right. is about 25 receivers off the board now. And Aaron Jones led off uh, round five. What do we got right now? We got two running backs, two receivers. You can see how the receivers are starting to dry up. Like, I w- so I would have liked if I got gotcha. better, fell better to me and I had another, I had three receivers. Now we're looking at grabbing Joe Mixon or J.K. Dobbins or uh, Miles Sanders or Damian Pearson. This There's season. Madison. Yeah, Madison just went. Uh, he's He wasn't even on the board, but he's going, he's climbing after the Delvin Cook uh, thing. So, right. I see Madison as in any kind of PPRs, like a third round back kind of guy. So that's not probably not a horrible oh, pick. Look at this. Happy day. We got my stack. Justin Fields stack. Yep. Mike Williams and Brandon Ayuk went after Madison right before Justin Fields. So go back. What uh, Continue on Madison. I see him as you know, he is a hugely volume dependent running back that will not give you much in the passing game. So I see him as a number two running back, the kind of guy that you would get in a traditional casual league in like the third round, probably late third round. So do you think it was good value to get him in the fifth? He was 50th overall in this draft. but Yeah, I think at this spot, unless something happens where he either gets hurt or gets just beat out for playing time, then he's probably going to return value in the fifth round. Yeah, I think so. Hawkinson just went, Christian Kirk went. So you look at the receivers, like, wouldn't you rather have like Mixon, Sanders, Pierce, they're all starting running backs, or it's like Tyler Lockett, Jackson and Smith and Jingba. Um, who knows what passing work Michael Smith Pittman's going to get with the new rookie quarterback. You know, it's not known for accuracy. George Kittle's available. And Joe Mixon just went at 5'10", which there's a lot of theories that he might be this year's Josh Jacobs. Now, Jacobs I was, was kind of hoping we'd end something. up with him, but yeah. Oh, I was definitely hoping. <laughs> But uh, we are still eight picks away. Miles Sanders just went off the board, and we are now approaching the end of round five. But, yeah, so Mixon at the end of uh, round five, sometimes early round six, that's still a really good bargain, in my opinion, for a guy that they didn't bring in a backup for him, and they haven't cut him. And I, there's, I don't know what they would do if they cut him, just go with Leonard Fournette or uh, – Zeke, those are kind of side moves anyway, so you might as well keep your core together if you're Bengals at this point, you know? All right, so after my after Mixon went Miles Sanders and Jackson Smith and Jingba, the rookie wide receiver out of the Ohio State University, rounded out the top uh, five, fifth round. And then his teammate in Seattle, Tyler Lockett, went round six. So I believe uh, there's a lot of faith in Geno Smith being able to carry uh, three wide receivers this year, right? Yeah. Or maybe it's just, you know, it's best ball, so it doesn't really matter if one of them goes. If they all rotate going off, it doesn't matter. By the way, I just want to point out three Seattle receivers went uh, uh, in the top six rounds. 6-1 is the last one. Marquise Brown went 
6-2 as the heir apparent to only receiver in Arizona, and he went behind all three Seahawks receivers. So it shows you how down people are on the Arizona offense right now. Michael Pittman went after Marquise Browns. People are ready to get hurt again with Kyle Pitts at 6-4. And Damian <laughs> He's not bitter, I promise. <laughs> I might have had him in our keeper league. It was brutal. And uh, I still made the finals, or Scott, or, or despite him. Usually he torpedoed most seasons, but uh, Pierce went, and then uh, Kittle, Deontay Johnson went one spot before me, which sucks because that's who I would have loved to get. So I'm on the clock now. I'm kind of feeling Dallas Goddard here. We could do that, yeah. I, I like I, Traylon Burks unless a veteran wide receiver comes in there, but uh, that's more of an upside pick. You know what? Let's go with Burks. I think um, I can get good value in tight ends late this year, to be honest. Go, we went with Traylon Burks. I, I agree. I think uh, he's one of those guys that could have a good second-year breakout year. He had a little uh, camp conditioning issues because of his asthma and stuff, but he still showed some good flashes last year, and there's nobody else there. I'd also like to say he's a big guy that's also their jump ball retriever. And in a best ball format, that meshes very nicely with what uh, we want because we just need a spike week from it. Big t- lot, he could catch the touchdowns. Oh, and by the way, Tannehill's not dead yet. They still have a very capable quarterback. <laughs> they haven't cut him yet. I've mean, had all the talk about Malik Willis and Will Levis. I mean, Tannehill's still a very good quarterback, and he's still there. And so is Derrick Henry. They could still be fine. Yeah, I've, I've heard some is. not good stuff about Will Levis. Uh, you oh. know that drill where they throw the ball into the net? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, apparently Levis had did that drill, and he not just didn't put it in the net, he completely missed the gigantic <laughs> target. Oh, my God. There's back-to-back two rookie quarterbacks who can't hit the side of a barn, apparently, behind between him and Malik Willis, if that's true. Uh, so after uh, I took um, Traylon Burks, uh, Trevor Lawrence, Dallas Goddard, Jordan Addison, rookie wide receiver out of USC to Minnesota, and then Kadarius Tony uh, round out the sixth round, and because then somebody Darren, likes somebody apparently is a masochist. Yep, Darren Waller, I like that value at top of the seventh. I think he's going to be in for a bounce back year because he could be the best guy and only guy. We are on the clock after Pickens, Montgomery, and Jordan, and Evans went. I am not taking DeAndre Swift. That's a hell to the no. Honestly, I like the value of Cam Akers. He's the guy there. He finished the strong. What round are we in? We are in the seventh round for Cam Akers. Yeah. All we need is a guy with a pulse to raise our floor. And hey, as bad as the uh, Rams were without uh, Cooper, Cooper Cup and Matt Stafford, uh, Akers was a top six running back down the stretch last year with terrible offense play. So there's a lot of theories that if he stays healthy, which is always a key with running backs, and he's a couple of years removed from his Achilles. So there's a good chance that he will be, uh, at least he'll be more explosive than he's been in the past. Um, he could be a quote unquote league winner as the kids say. How many, uh, how many of each position are we sitting at right now? So we have, can you see I'm right? I got one quarterback, three running backs, three receivers. Ah, I see us. Yeah. Okay. Oh, so Dalvin Cook went right after, right before J- James Conner, which is funny because James Conner is like the guy in Arizona. But once again, people aren't very. Well, that's another Arizona. guy that I kind of put up with uh, is a poor man's Cam Akers. He's a 
a three down guy on an awful team. Agreed. And that's not somebody that's going to give you much in a shallow redraft, but in a best ball format, it's going to raise your floor. Agreed. And after, uh, so that was just a recap after I took anchors, Johan Dotson went right afterwards, then Dalvin cook, and then James Connor, who we were just talking about Brandon cooks, Deshaun Watson went seven, 11, seven, 10, Rashid White from Tampa went 7-11. He's a starting running back, and he went 7-11. And uh, your boy from uh, Formula of Detroit went uh, DeAndre Swift went 7-12, followed by Gabe Davis um, from Buffalo. He'll give you five incredible plays this year out of 10 that he's on the field for. And then Dak Prescott and Anthony Richardson. Anthony Richardson going pretty high for a rookie that hasn't done anything and wasn't accurate. But yeah, back to DeAndre Swift, like it's funny because people go, hey man, he's behind the Philadelphia offensive line. He's going to be efficient. Well, guess what? He was behind a great offensive line last year in Detroit, and he was also efficient. So, I mean, he'll give you five carries, five yards per carry in his three carries a game, I guess. And former Lions um, teammate, Jamal Williams, just went, oh no, that's, sorry, that's Javante Williams went uh, eight, four, which is interesting because I don't think he'll play half the season. But he could come on late. Yes, because I think he's half dead. Yep. Um, Tua, Quentin Johnson. Oh, we're on deck now. Uh, let's see who is available. Isaiah Pacheco, Rashad Bateman. These are guys who are available. Elijah Moore, Zay Flowers, Evan Ingram, James Cook. I'm not a huge fan of this area. Who are you thinking? Elijah, Elijah Moore, Moore was the one I was leaning towards. That's he just I'm... went. Um, yeah, I am not a fan of any of these guys. Let's go. Let's go big. Let's go for JMO. He'll give you some spike weeks. Yep. After he comes off the of suspension, in theory. Um, right. I want to lean for a quarter or a receiver at that point because it's starting to get pretty rough at receiver. Yeah. Alzard, Tyler Boyd, Odell Beckham, Juju Smith Schuster, Cortland Sutton, uh, to, to name other people. Whereas yeah. you still could get Pacheco, Charbonnet, Alan Kamara is not dead yet. AJ Dillon, Samarji Pirai might be the guy in Denver most of the year. He's still available. Look at all this value. Antonio Gibson, Penny, Penny, Rashad Penny will probably be the guy in Philly. Same with Damian Harris and Buffalo, A Chain if uh, Cook doesn't go there. And we haven't even had a Bears running back drafted, uh, Khalil Herbert. So there's a lot of good running backs yeah, on the board. Khalil Herbert had. is probably someone we should target. Yes. Because I at because I feel like unless something dramatically changes, he's going to be the lead runner. For all the talk about Deontay Foreman, he signed a small contract and he was fine. And he didn't, he was, he, he even platooned with Shuba Hubbard last year. And for all the talk about how great Roshan Johnson is, he's still a rookie. And guess what? Khalil Herbert was really good the last two years. So I agree. I think he's the guy in Chicago and he's the guy that I'm going to ride with if I can get to him. But I in do fantasy like in back. particular, you're yes. going to want Herbert. Yes, agreed. Pacheco finally went. Yep. Uh, right after Fryermuth, there was a there was a mini run on quarterbacks. Uh, Kirk Cousins and Geno Smith went back to back to end the eighth. And they said, "Oh, we're on the clock again." So we all those receivers we didn't like are still here. Surprise! Shall we, surprise! Shall we surprise. just reach for Penny or Harris or A Chain? I don't know that we want to reach that much. Yeah, um, but I don't want. I don't really like a lot of these guys here. Maybe just get yeah. Goku at tight end because we don't have one yet. Yeah, 
Why not? I'll do it. I I, I would have rather because I'm more than happy to grab Higby and Gerard Everett and stuff later. But we're already getting a lot of Rams here, so let's. Uh, if Higby's our backup, that's that's better. Also, I think at this point, since we have Cooper Cup and Cam Akers, I'd love to get um, Matt Stafford as my backup quarterback to stack with those guys. Ooh, I like that thought. Let me look up where he is getting drafted. I see he is – he got to go way down. Derek Carr, Jordan Love. He is dirt cheap. QB 21, ADP 158. Yikes. So A.J. Dillon, Zach Charbonnet. Zay Flowers and Brian Robinson went after I took uh, Njoku. A lot of people looking for running backs down here. Yep. Rashad Penny just went. He could be pretty good if he stays. The caveat always, if he stays healthy, he might be awesome for three to five weeks like he was in Seattle. Daniel Jones, Danny Dimes went. Oh, looking for that quarterback mini Justin Fields ush- upside, right? Rushing A-Chain or Herbert might be a good hit when it comes back around to be honest when we draft next we're going to be drafting about 115 116 if michael thomas is still there at his adp is 92 i might just grab him just for value but yeah i agree a chain i like damian harris too i think he's going to score a lot of touchdowns and a chain i like harris a chain and uh herbert Oh, Jamal Williams is creeping onto the board. See, that'd be another good one. He might score a lot of touchdowns for New Orleans the way he did for the uh, Lions. And if the Kamara suspension happens, he could be really valuable for, you know, six weeks. That's a lot of really good running backs still available. And now, there went a chain. There goes a chain. Yep. Yeah. So now the receivers that I previously didn't like two rounds ago are starting to look like bargains. Michael Thomas just went the aforementioned one. We're up in two picks. So, I'm looking at Harris or Herbert. And Elijah Mitchell went, so we're going to get one of those guys. Uh, I would strongly prefer Herbert. I will do that too, unless this guy grabs him. Oh, took Tyler Boyd. That's not going <laughs> to... The, the uh, chance for Herbert scoring points, way more points than Tyler Boyd are so much higher. It's like comical when you put it in perspective. Yeah. I'm not saying can you that tell he, can you tell this is a Chicago Bears fan drafting this team? Hey, I would have said the same thing about Damian Harris, who went right after Kyle Herbert. But yeah, we also do have a lot of Bears. We could get a Rams Bears stack if we get Stafford because we got uh, Kyle Herbert and DJ Moore along with Justin Fields. Well, Stafford isn't even on the board yet, but yeah, I definitely I want to point Stafford. out that the Lions fan told me to draft Kyle Herbert. I was leaning Damian Harris, maybe. I could have gone either way. I think Harris is a really good player, in my opinion. He was down last year due to injuries, and he lost his spot to Ramondre Stevenson, who's basically every bit as good as Harris is as a two-down running back, but also a third-down guy, too. So I get why New England went with him, and I think Damian Harris is going to be a value. I think I'd rather have him than James Cook, who I think is limited, because the Buffalo keeps going after these third-down backs, and then they don't use him because – Jared Allen just runs the ball. He doesn't check it down. It's kind of like why I don't think DeAndre Swift is going to have any value this year because Hertz isn't going to check it down to him, which golf would last year for some of his big plays. Hertz is just going to run, you know? Right. Yeah. So we got, we're up in three picks again. We got Sutton, Jacoby Myers, Sky Moore. I might take a flyer on Sky Moore at this this point, or maybe grab Jamal Williams. Um, because what do you are, think about Cortland Sutton for value? 
I just don't think he has a ceiling because now there's Patrick there. They got Mims. All their camp reports are Kim Patrick is um, what's his name's favorite receiver. And Sutton's never really been a top 40 running quarter. Uh, oh, he just went anyway. So I, I'm thinking Sky Moore or um, Jarek McKinnon here. One of the Chiefs. I would go Sky Moore. Okay, me too. He's he's forgotten about him. I'm actually surprised he goes as high as he does in the 11th round, considering how disappointing he was as a rookie. But I really liked his rookie profile. He was disappointing. And uh, as my wide receiver five, why not get a piece of that Kansas City upside, right? Right. Goff goes. So let's see. We've got one quarterback, four running backs, five wide receivers, tight end. Maybe we start looking at quarterbacks here because it at this point if something happens to um justin fields i don't want to be screwed so i'm okay with that but i my kind of thought is i want to grab um stafford for the stack as my second for guy. sure and i think when we look at the quarterbacks when you get real late you could grab bryce young cj Stroud. they've already won the starting job sam howell is I think he's going to have rushing upside even later. So I'm okay. Normally you only go when you have someone like Justin Fields, you only go with two, one backup receipt running back or quarterback. But like, I'm looking at some of these receivers available now. So like if I could get McKinnon, uh, Romeo dubs, even Rondell Moore might have life this year with the new regime. Reche rice might be another stat piece. There of went dubs. The city. dubs went. Okay. Uh, and I don't like Thielen or Nico Collins. So maybe we will start thinking about quarterbacks. The, the next one's Derek Carr. Um, Jalen Warren might be a pretty good handcuffed. Not I think we can, goes. you know, just looking at the value, I think we can wait a bit on quarterbacks. But I as think. soon as we see Stafford even on the board, I think. We yeah, do. I'll go grab. I'll, I'll, yeah, because when you when you got to do a stack, you usually have to reach for them a little bit, but you don't want to reach too badly and screw your team over. But now we're in that range of a 12th round where it's preference. It's it's a lot. Reaching isn't a problem at this point. It's it's preference. So I think we're coming up in eight. So let's see where Staff, – so Stafford's starting to come up. So I'm, I'm actually – he's actually the next quarterback on the board. So I'm going to go ahead and take him if he falls to us. Quote, falls. There's two more picks to go before us. Nico Collins just went. So let's see. This I, I will go ahead and reach for Stafford if he is available. And Jacoby Myers went, so we will go ahead and grab Stafford, who, by the way, he is a full year plus away from a full rehab on that elbow. That's the time to get value on them because people just remember how disappointing they were last year, but now they've had the entire offseason to rest and rehab and most of last regular season too, you know? So I think yeah. Stafford is a good chance that he'll be back healthy. So I think – He's not going to ruin the team if he becomes like he did last year. Last year, he was drafted as the uh, top 10, top eight quarterback. We got him at 21, you know? Nice. With upside to be a top 10 guy. So I, I really like that pick. So now we're looking, we're looking at a lot of running. Look, I think at this point, we are gonna of, need, we need bodies in the room. I'm we're looking right. for spike weeks, guys that can give us, you know, single week upside. I'm thinking another tight end at this point. Look, there's a lot of good tight ends on the board coming up. Yeah. These guys could be pretty good. Um, running back is starting to dry up, but, I mean, there's still handcuffs back here, like Jerome Ford. I don't know who else is there. Ezekiel Elliott, Tajay Spears could be the back. You know, it could be a handcuff. Uh, same with Chuba Hubbard. 
In fact, Chuba Hubbard's a guy that I'm not a huge fan of, but the way that um, Frank Reich used his running backs, he's now in Carolina. Um, Chuba Hubbard's a similar running back to uh, Miles Sanders. So it wouldn't be surprising if Chuba Hubbard was similar to Miles Sanders this year, but just way later. I'm not a huge fan of that, but he had some good games last year, tuning with um, Deontay Foreman. Mingo and uh, Rache Rice are both the top guys on the board. Uh, they are already well beyond a run round of ADP. So to be honest, I might just grab one of those guys at this point. Um, if they if they are still available, we are up in three picks. So would you rather have Dolchich, Higby, or Drawled Effort? I think we've overstacked the Rams, so I'm kind of – normally I'd like a Higby here, but I might lean more towards Dolchich or Everett to round out the – None of them are great, in my opinion. Okay, so would you um, have the right receivers? I kind of like DJ Shark. He could be underlying the top Carolina receiver this year. Yeah, I think I'd rather do that. Would, would, would you rather have DJ Shark or Rache Ress? I'm thinking DJ. For what? Yeah, for the kind of we just need a him to catch a deep bomb two or three times a year. And and that's a big thing. DJ Shark is a big play guy. So if Bryce Young just connects with him, you know, for three deep balls, that might pop him up from our number six receiver to a top three and just get us some points. So I'm, I'm, I'm liking that. And now we have six receivers, so we can kind of start hammering backup handcuff running backs. Um, there's still some good tight set. I mean, the tight ends on the board, like you look at this, it's very flat. Dolchich, Higby, Everett, Juwan Johnson, Sam Laporta, you know, uh, Taysom Hill. <laughs> What's going on with Rashi Rice? He's just a second round rookie. There's a lot of guys in, in Kansas City, to be honest. Oh. All right. Greg Dolchich went, went after Jalen Hyatt. Hyatt's interesting because I've had him in a couple other picks as the speed burner out of Tennessee for the Giants. And a lot of people think he could be the number one guy there. But the offense that they run was very check down dependent, in which case Hyatt doesn't seem like a good fit. Whoa, whoa. Tight end run, Dolchich followed by Higby, followed by Juwan Johnson, followed by Sam Laporta, all in a row to close out round 13 and start round 14. The only guy in there that I had any interest in was Laporta, and that's purely for speculation. Laporta's interesting because, I, oh, and then Hill, fifth tight end in a row. I like Laporta, but, man, he is going – I thought he was going to be a value for me to grab. I thought he was a guy that I was going to get in every league, and he is going one round ahead of where I think he's going to go. And I, I am not getting a lot of Laporta, to be honest, not as much as I thought I would. Rondo Moore finally went his fall. He fell like two rounds below ADP. Another theme of the day, people in this draft room do not like Arizona's offense. That and is Pickett true. Just went after Rashid Shahid from New Orleans. We're up in two picks. Remember when people thought Kyler Murray was a good quarterback? I'm not touching him this year. I don't think he's coming back anytime soon. I think they're going to redshirt him, and he just went now, so I'm not going to touch him. I was right. So I'm thinking, okay, Gerald Everett just went. I'm thinking Jerome Ford because he could be the guy if anything happens to um, to uh, Nick uh, Nick Chubb. Plus, yeah. they, could go, they could platoon him as a third down guy like they used to use Kareem Hunt or Deontis Johnson. Could be. So he's got upside. If they pass a whole lot more, then he's going to be on the field as much as uh, Chubb, perhaps. Mm -hmm. Yep, that too. I don't really know anybody else. I think the other, I think that Demetric Felton, who I had as a rookie, he's more of a 
return guy slash wide receiver. He was a wide receiver convert to us. He's officially a running back, but he was a wide receiver in college. And they use him in a lot of cool gimmick plays when I'd watch Cleveland play, but they don't put him on the field long enough to be vi- fantasy viable. So now we have four running backs, six receive, wide, wide receivers, um, two quarterbacks, and a uh, tight end. So we really need, need at least one more tight end because all the tight ends just went after ever went before us. Dawson Knox just got his knee banged in practice today, first day of uh... – Hurts knee, wonderful. I was going to say he seems like a deal because everyone's on Kincaid, uh, the rookie first-rounder, but Knox – it didn't look serious, but basically what happened was he they were doing 11-11 and he was getting tackled and some idiot came flying in late and hit him in the knee. Well, that's a shame because I think he's going to be a steal this year because he was always touchdown dependent and he has a rapport with Allen in the red zone. He never got a big target share, so I don't think the presence of Kincaid's really going to hurt that, to be honest. I if think, he makes it to us, I like him. Because people are taking Kincaid. Darson Knox was going top five, top six amongst tight ends last year. Now he's going to go, what, 22, 23? I think now he's a potential steal because I still think even if Kincaid blows up, I think there's room for both of them because Kincaid's Brock more of a wide Purdy. receiver. Brock Purdy if he, with his one arm. <laughs> hey, they do keep, we have? They, we've got a Car- what? We got a Carolina receiver, right? We, do we? No. Yeah, yeah we, we got, got DJ, DJ Moore. We got DJ Chark. Sure. So we could yeah. go. We could go. I like Dawson Knox, or we could go Bryce for a stack. I like that. I like going to either of those. Um, yeah, because we're up in two spots, so we're going to grab one of those guys. I'm leaning towards. Well, who, what other tight ends are available? Let's look at this. So. So Dawson Knox, Conklin, I don't like Gusecki. Mayer, I think Mayer's fallen a lot farther than I expect. Hayden Hurst could be okay. Trey McBride, Isaiah Lincoln. But I think Knox is probably the best guy here. I think that's wise. true by a significant margin. So I think I'll take Knox if he's available because I can get some other guys, even if they're not stacks, as a third quarterback. Right. Um, but – because I, I still like some of these young quarterbacks, especially as a third guy. Okay, Mo, Mostert just went, right. so we are taking Knox. By the way, the more second-round rookies are on the board, uh, Reed, Mims, and then also Davin Peoples-Jones to the top three guys remaining. But I'm good. I'm not a big fan of this year's draft rookie wide receiver class. Normally, I mine receivers, uh, rookie players late. Like I had a lot of Alave and Garrett Wilson and Sky Moore last year in the middle of these drafts. I'm I'm kind of fading them. Um, do I have a rookie receiver on this year? No, I nope. I do not have a rookie receiver this year, and I'm not upset about that. To be honest, I think it's a fine class, but I don't think they have the upside of like the Jamar Chases and the Chris Olave types as the last couple of years. You know, if we get if if we don't get Bryce Young, we and if we go Stroud, then we can try and get Tank as a I like layer that. there. That's something I like doing late in these drafts, too, is the Stroud tank. You can always grab that late. Um, Also, Ty Chandler's creeping up on the board. He might be the backup to Madison, and I like his talent. Who knows? He might beat him out. But I like the idea of getting the stack at this point uh, and getting more ride receivers. And I like Fields and Stafford, but I want a third quarterback because I just worry about health. Because I noticed last year, the leagues that I was – I did very well in all my leagues – the leagues that I struggled with were the guys where 
towards the end of the year, I had Kyler Murray and then Davis Mills was the backup. And my team was just done when Kyler Murray blew out his ACL and stuff. So I don't want to be stuck in that position again. Well, there went Bryce Young. Oh, we're not getting that stack, I guess. Well, either way, I like C.J. Stroud and Sam Howell as a third quarterback. And so I think I'll probably grab one of those guys in seven picks if they're available. Chuba Hubbard goes, you know, we're definitely in the land of nothing special here. If you're in a normal, casual fantasy draft, none of these guys are probably getting drafted. Well, yeah, yeah. We're in round 16 with no kickers or defense. <laughs> so, yeah, we're probably beyond round 18 at this point for most leagues. Oh, Leonard Fournette just went out for Chuba Hubbard. They, oh, CJ Stroud just went. I was about to say we could stack him with Robert Woods, who's another guy who's two years uh, removed from an injury. Robert Woods could be the number one guy in uh, Houston, but we are still four picks away, so we will not be living that dream of stacking the great Bobby Trees with a rookie quarterback. <laughs> James Robinson listed as not – was he cut from New England already? He's listed as not on a team. Yes, he was cut, I think, yesterday. Okay. Oh, wow. Okay. So Trey Lance just went. So Trey Lance and Brock Purdy on the board or off the board. So I like some of these running backs here. You got Ty Chandler, Gus Ed, and Ken, Kenneth Gainwell is a deep, is a is a is a dark horse guy to lead the Philly backfield because Swift and Penny have not exactly been a uh, model of health. So I'm going to go ahead and take Sam Howell because there's no other quarterbacks that I would want because they are Mac Jones and Desmond Ritter. But I'm seeing Mike Mayer, Hayden Hurst, Gusecki. They're all tight ends. I've I believe you know what's I. Funny? Exactly. Yeah, Hurts is still available too. I'm personally um, thinking that Mac Jones is probably due for a break for a bounce back now that the NFL's resident rocket scientist is no longer calling plays for him. He played well as a rookie, and Matt Patricia and a special teamer were like calling offensive plays, and. Mac Jones was not happy with it. And as a following what Patricia did as a defensive coordinator, his last year in New England, they were terrible. They gave up 50 points to Nick Foles in the Super Bowl. And then they were terrible every year in Detroit. What made people think that that offense was going to have any cohesiveness? I side with Mac Jones because I've seen him play fairly well as a rookie. And then he regressed under Patricia. So I agree. I think Mac Jones is going to be better. I'm not sure I'm excited about him as a fantasy guy, but I'm going to keep him in mind uh, as a waiver pickup if I need a, another guy. So Mayer and Conklin went, so we got mini tight end run. So we got two more picks. We're up in two more rounds to go. We're up in three picks. So I'm kind of looking at the board. I'm looking at guys like Kenneth Gainwell, uh, maybe Hayden Hurst is a third tight end. Um, Kareem Hunt. If How many more somewhere. picks do we get here? Two more rounds. Do we want to do another running back or just for safety's sake? Or I like the upside of Kareem Hunt. I mean, if he if someone gets injured, he could go somewhere. And I also like kind of the game well because I could see him leading the Philly backfield. So I'm I would take... go Gainwell because at least he's got a team, so we're not totally wasting a pick. Yeah. Well. Hunt will probably be on a team at some point this year, but you just have to wait to see who gets injured. Yeah, so, like well, every other reason. veteran running back that yeah. got cut for no reason this year well, other than they hit 27. 
And so to me, I agree. Gainwell was my slam dunk guy. I just saying if he was going, uh, I would pivot to Kareem Hunt. So at this point we have. Which, it, which we did get Gainwell. Yeah, we did. So I'm thinking probably just pat out another um, receiver or maybe Kareem or maybe a, I don't really like the tight ends that are available. Maybe Jake Ferguson could be a dark horse guy to replace uh, what's his name, Dalton Schultz in Dallas, because I know they got that rookie out of Michigan, but I think they overdrafted him and rookies tend to not start right away at tight end. Yeah. I want no piece of rookie tight ends. Yeah, me too. So I, I like Ferguson. I think he was a Wisconsin guy. Ooh, Justin Ross is always, was a sexy rookie last year before he got hurt. Uh, and another Kansas City guy. Zach Evans could be a potential handcuff to uh, Cam Akers. Um, we're up in 10 picks, by the way, for our last pick of the draft. See anyone you like? I don't, I'm not doing Hardman. Shakir has limited upside. Same yeah. with Bob. Basically, the done? only way Shakir is worth anything is if Diggs just, you know, gives the angry birds to the Buffalo Bills. But even then, it's not like Shakir is taking Diggs' spot as a elite receiver. No, that just gets him on the field. Yeah. Slayton, uh, McBride, he's a second-year guy, but so I think they're yeah. going to give him every. Ch- I think they're going to give him chances to play, but it's going to be with like Colt McCoy or Clayton Toon. <laughs> Deuce Vaughn just went third down back for uh, Dallas. I don't know. What are you thinking? Let's let's. Uh... We could do Marvin Jones for to take pick up some of the slack for when for the weeks that we're not going to have JMO. Okay. Okay. You see any guys? You uh, like- running backs. Uh, let's see here. Carter could be a handcuff to Brees Hall. People forgot about Michael Carter. He's not even going drafted. Neither is G. Could be. Uh, I like the Marvin Jones idea because also even with JMO uh, Jones, even at his age, he can still run in a straight line. Oh, Tim Patrick. There's word that he could be the number one guy in Denver. He's uh, Russell Wilson's favorite. I think if. I think if Patrick's on the board, I'll take him. If not, maybe Marvin Jones. That's what I'm leaning on. Well, if you think so. Well, Patrick, wide receiver 88, has potential to be the number one guy in Denver. And Wilson under, what's his name? Uh, Sean Payton could have a bounce back year. Russell Wilson showed signs of life at the end of last year. He might not be completely washed, even though he is trending down. So I think it's worth a shot at. This late, you're not getting a wide receiver one generally unless it's justin ross and he's everything we all hoped him to be but tim it's just when has he ever stayed healthy is all yeah but i mean we got seven other wide receivers on the roster six other wide receivers i think it's worth the late round flyer um for the upside at this point and we are on the clock so i'm going to go ahead and punch that in um and your protest is duly noted sorry i'm not taking the uh lion uh Marvin Jones. <laughs> no, I get it. I mean, I have been kind of looking at him. Yeah, and by the way, I took Tim Patrick last year in a draft and maybe in like the fifth or sixth round, and then he got injured like days later and was out for the season. And it was uh, – I just remember staring at that team going, well, I guess that team's not going anywhere. <laughs> so that was fun. Time. You can't win your fantasy league on draft day, but you can lose it. These are facts. So, yeah, it's funny because normally wide receivers uh, are safer bets, but like you are like you're saying, Tim Patrick has never been healthy. So there's a good chance that was a wasted pick. But 
I don't know. I figure at that point, round 18, I'm just going to swing for upside because um, I think with yeah. Cup, Moore, Burks, we're going to have some point. We're going to at least have two of those guys scoring points, and then maybe Burks, when J-Mo comes back, Sky Moore, or DJ Chark. But I see what you're saying. I think the safer bet, the higher floor play would have been uh, Marvin Jones to keep the uh, – keep it warm until J-Mo came back. And then you're just hoping one of those two guys does something any given Sunday, you know, but it also helps uh, what you did actually helps golf proof our team. That too. <laughs> golf proofing always good. And uh, we Draft have is uh, completed and they're done. So let's see now. But we got instant analysis or something. So we have, Three Rams, three Bears, two Browns, and then one of a bunch of other teams. Oh, I didn't even look at bye weeks. We got lucky. We have, oh, maybe not. We have four on week 10, four on week 13. So that's actually not so bad. I had one draft where almost all my guys were week 13. So that was brutal. That's one bad week, but, you know, you'd almost rather wipe out one week to be at full strength and how many others it so we have a projected uh score of three thousand plus which i think is very high because like see we got 2900 2700 28 so we are projected the highest right now which is always a kiss of death but part of that is the three quarterbacks which only one of them will count on any given sunday but uh i am okay with that because ooh, this guy's Three two thousand three hundred projection. I got. Let's look at this guy. Uh, two thousand three hundred projection. He has Dak, Daniel Jones, Miles Sanders, Rashid White, Samaje Pirine, Tank Bigsby, Fournette, Deuce Vaughn, Kareem Hunt. His receivers have to be loaded. Ceedee Lamb, Garrett Wilson, Debo, DeAndre Hopkins was his fourth round pick. So he did go for wide receivers for five straight rounds, and that makes sense. So, well, we'll see. Anyways, uh, any last given thoughts or shall we sign it off and get to the edit bay? (laughs) Yep. Well, thanks to everyone who joined us this week. We are very much appreciative of always. Every time someone decides to spend some of their week with us. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, As always, we'd like to thank uh, our composer on tap, Raymond, for our theme running home off of his album available wherever uh, digital music is sold. We have uh, Chris Brandley working on all of our logos. Thank you very much to him. All of our uh, friends and family that have given us such a great send off in these first 10 episodes. And we're just going to keep trying to get stronger for everybody. But we're not going to get stronger this week because it's time to take it into the locker room. It's fifth quarter time. So we will see you later. I miss you already. <laughs>